Hey, movie fans, Dimitri Panos here of LAOFCS Weekly, where today we're going to talk about the movies that opened this week. You ain't never had a friend like us. And Quentin Tarantino opens up a can of whip-ass. And we're going to also talk about our favorite teen movies. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Well, hello, everybody. This is my first time like being host, and, and we're all newbies here. This is part of LAOFCS Weekly, LAOFCS, LMNOP. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, this is, of course, the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. And yeah. uh, on today's show, it's a whole new host of panels. Yes. There are panelists here. I am so very excited, number one, to be part of this organization uh, for many a reason. A, Everybody has a unique, distinct voice in film. Everybody loves movies. We do it for the passion. Uh, we are so very varied and different uh, um, a, a quality, uh, which I love. And I just love our each individual unique voice in talking about film. I'm very honored and proud to be part of this panel because we have some very unique, distinct voices within the LAOFCS. Yeah. We're all very new. We're going to start off to the far right. Debbie, please tell us who you are, what you do. Listen to that. That's the sound of fun. That's the sound of fun, and I'm all about fun when it comes to movies. Uh, I'm Debbie Elias. I'm film critic and creator and host of my own show, also, Behind the Lens. Uh, I've been a critic for 32 years. You can find my movie reviews and interviews in print and online 24-7. I'm self-syndicated, 140 different outlets, but you can always find me on BehindTheLensOnline.net. And now, popping up here every once in a while. And that's fantastic. Karen, please say hello to everybody. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, say hello to everybody. Who are you? I still am trying to figure out who I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Karen Peterson. I work for awardcircuit.com. We talk all about award stuff all year long. Emmys, Oscars, Golden Globes, all of it. Um, I also started a f- all-female po- podcast, Citizen Dame podcast. And I'm on the Watch and Talk podcast where we just talk about a great movie every week. And where can people find you folks on the, the, the Twitters, the social medias? Why don't you share that with everybody, too? Debbie, uh, can well, people support you? Okay, on Twitter, it's Movie Shark D or BTL Radio Show. On Facebook, it's Behind the Lens or Debbie Lynn Elias. Instagram, YouTube, it's all there. There you go. Uh, the easiest place for me is at Karen M. Peterson on Twitter and Instagram because I link everything I do over there. So. That's fantastic. And you can follow me on the Twitters at DMovies1701. So why don't we just get into the show? Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, well, let's talk about the movies that open up this week. And, of course, uh, we're also going to weekly, a Los Angeles uh, Online Film Critics Society, we do our movie of the week. Mm-hmm. And we have, I think, a very special film to we talk do. about. And um, we're going to announce that, uh, but not yet. That's so right. we're going to talk about so three movies opened up this week, two of which uh, we had Brightburn, uh, Aladdin, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, this other movie, Booksmart. So why don't we start off with, uh, we're going to start off with Brightburn, because Karen and myself, so many movies, so little time. I didn't we, do my homework. We couldn't, well, I couldn't <laughs> do my homework. Uh, I had other movies to go see. We're, so ta- we're, we're going to talk about Booksmart today, and you guys sit here and say you didn't do your homework. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that's it. I'm gone. I'm out of here. There's a reason I didn't get into uh, Yale. Uh, well, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Brightburn, I saw Brightburn. Right. And there are many elements of Brightburn that I love and that all of you will love. If you love James Gunn, you're going to love Brightburn. Um, James Gunn's fingerprints are all over this film, and yes, Michael Rooker is there too for all you gun fans. You know, nothing gets done <laughs> by a gun without Rooker. Um, but it's it's very it's written by James's cousin Mark and his brother Brian, and it's basically a reverse superhero movie. We have somebody who is somewhat super, but more a supervillain than a hero, and he's not here to save the world. He's here to apparently destroy it. Uh, Elizabeth Banks and uh, David Denham star as Tori and Kyle Brenner, desperate for a child. They live on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, one day, because after Tori has prayed and prayed, a spaceship drops from the sky. Have we heard this before? Um, And here is a young son that they are calling Brandon. And uh, they raise, yes, I did, I know, I know. The obsessiveness that Elizabeth Banks brings to the role, I have a problem with. David Denham, uh, Denman, I adore. Uh, I love watching him. Um, one of my favorite Denman performances, other than on stage doing Shakespeare, is Puzzle that he did with Kelly McDonald last year in Irfan Khan. Uh, he is rock solid here, as suddenly it seems that. Brandon isn't the all-American boy that they're trying to pass him off as. There's a lot of madness, mayhem, bloodshed, gore. That I heard. I heard it's extremely violent. Extremely violent. Not the whole movie, though. There are very key scenes that are beautifully spaced. So you have time to, like, (gasps) stop and and actually, you know, breathe for for a moment. Uh, But there, there are some very graphic scenes. I do have a problem with Elizabeth Banks' performance here. Another James Gunn favorite. She, too, was in Slither, if I remember correctly. And Slither, I yep. have all, yep. I've loved Great movie. Slither. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I have to say, the VFX, the practical, practical effects, the post-production VFX, outstanding. Mm-hmm. And without those, the violent segments and the bloodshed would not work. But there's some really cool twists. The whole idea, you even get this creepy Disney-esque feel uh, with the whole idea of Brandon. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before. We saw Moses thrown in a basket and dropped down a river. We've seen Superman come dropping from the sky. We saw Timothy Green in The Odd Life of Timothy Green, which was right. a Disney film uh, with Jennifer Garner. He comes out of the ground in a box. Good. Children are just dropping all over the place in the movie world. Um it is definitely worth watching, if only because there are so many apples falling from the gun family tree. Hmm. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, this was uh, this was a movie that got me via the from the trailer. Yeah, I'm like, this is you know, what if what if Superman came down and he was a homicidal maniac yeah. instead of being a superhero? And I thought nobody's really done that take before. So how do you you know and, and this is you know how do you take down Superman has always been well Batman has always 
trying to figure out if he ever goes rogue, what do we do? Um, so in this in this scenario where there is no Batman, to my knowledge, uh, you know, how do you take down a super being like that? So I'm really looking forward to it. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've heard good things. I've, well, mixed I've heard things mixed. about it. So, but, I mean, it's only 90 minutes, so that's not a big commitment. Yeah. That's, brevity is a great in movies mm-hmm. today, I think. And, of course, so. Dave, Darren, uh, David Yerovesky directs it he's best known for the hive mm-hmm. so he has good grasp of this genre right and he's worked with james gunn before so he has the james gunn principles sure ingrained in him and that yeah. works to the film's benefit yeah well i'm looking forward to seeing it uh it is a long weekend so there might be some bright burn in my near future the next movie that comes out which will probably be the number one movie uh, this week, the 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 forecasting on this is anywhere from seventy five, eighty to eighty five, um, and of course it is the live action version of Disney's Aladdin. Yep. This is a movie that we all have seen. Yep. So um, personally, I thought the movie was okay. Uh, it was entertaining. The, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not. So, I'll be straight up. I'm not. Like the hugest fans of these live action mm-hmm. recreations, mostly because I think that a lot of the source material is already A plus material. Okay. So I wasn't as big a fan as, say, Beauty and the Beast as many other people were. I did like Jungle Book a lot. I thought Jungle Book worked. Cinderella worked because I was just yeah. pleasantly surprised for me. Uh, I actually like Dumbo better than Aladdin. I felt more emotionally invested uh, in Dumbo. Aladdin's fine, though. It's still an entertaining movie. Um, I liken Mm -hmm. it to, it's Bollywood meets a Disney parade. Meaning Mm -hmm. it's entertaining, it's very vibrant and colorful, there's a lot of group dancing and singing in it, and somewhere in between it all is the the story of Aladdin. Um, Performances were fine, um, We'll, I'll get everybody's opinion, then we're going to talk about the big genie, the big blue genie in the room. But for me, the standout in this was Naomi Scott as Jasmine. In fact, they could have called it Jasmine if you really <laughs> wanted to go a little bit different. I would have liked to have seen it from this character's eyes with Naomi Scott playing it. I thought she was fantastic. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about Will Smith, the gentleman that they had to play, um, you know, Aladdin. He's fine. He he looked yeah. the part to me. Nina Masood, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I thought. See again, fantastic. It's hard. He didn't have the charisma that matched Naomi Scott for me, mm. and that like I needed a stronger. He was fine, but she to me just really stole the movie, especially in her speechless the new song. So uh, you know I. I give the movie three fingers. It was okay. I think families are going to like it. Guy Ritchie, I thought, did a very capable job. Mm -hmm. Whether you like his style or not, I think it worked in the family film because the kids aren't going to care about whether slow-mo whatever. So we'll start. Debbie, what did you think of Aladdin? Well, uh, for my money, it comes down to a monkey, a tiger, a very anthropomorphic (laughs) magic carpet, and a jiggy genie. Um, That's what it boils down to. As you said, Mana's performance as Aladdin, it's very lukewarm. Um, it's adequate. 
that's about the best I can say for it. Naomi is strong, but I think a stronger performance comes out of Nassim Padrad, who plays this new character of Dahlia, Jasmine's handmaiden. Mm-hmm. And you put her together with Will Smith as in human form as the genie, and the two of them are just amazing together. The sparks are flying off the screen. I grant you that. Yeah, they yeah. had good... Even when he was the genie... The ge- well, we just spoiled something, but if you've... <laughs> well, not really. If you don't know Aladdin by now. But but you're right. I mean, they were great together. They're, they're phenomenal. For my money, besides the monkey, the tiger, the anthropomorphic magic carpet, and the jiggy genie, I am in love with Gemma Jackson's production design and Mm -hmm. Michael Wilkinson's costume design. Sure. Oh, yeah. The intricacy of the and uh, the cultural intricacy of the fabric and all you fashionistas out there see it for this, if for no other reason. The beadwork, the design work, the inlay, the leather work on Jafar's cape—absolutely stunning. I agree. And gorgeous. And so often when you get a film like this, that is what's going to make or break the film from a cinematic, from a cinematic and filmmaking standpoint. And I really think the production values are high here, mm-hmm. most they notably are. from Gemma and, and Michael. And then even Alan Stewart, the cinematographer, this was his first feature. He had yeah. previously been a second unit camera operator and a second unit director. So this is his first feature, mm-hmm. and there are some beautiful, beautiful beautiful lensing happening here there is there is I some that it was his yeah. first film actually i missed that yeah. but yeah so, the the production and the costumes are absolutely amazing i actually the costumes look great on screen but when i got to see them in person i was just so <laughs> they're so beautiful and uh yeah anybody who happens to be in la they are on display at the el capitan if you want to yeah. stop by and take a look because they're really exquisite oh. yeah i actually thought that Again, come award season, which we're far away from, but I hope that the movie gets... I hope it's remembered, at least yeah. for that mm-hmm. well, section. So, Karen, did you like the movie? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I actually liked this more than Dumbo. I liked it more than Beauty and the Beast. I think this is one of the better of the live-action remakes because I think it, it is enough like the original that you get to have that tie-in, but also right. it does try to do some things differently. I think that... Uh, it fleshes out Jasmine a little bit more. I, I I don't want to spoil what happens with her, but I really like some of the, the subtle changes, I think, that they made with her character and, and where she goes and, and how she develops. And I actually really liked Mina Masood. I thought he was fantastic, like I said before. Um, I mean, to put him in a room with Will Smith and Naomi Scott, and he's able to, to hold his own against them, I think that that says a lot for him and for his future. I think that he, I think he's going to be a star that people are going to be talking yeah. about. See, I thought he was fine. Like, I, I can't, mm-hmm. I, I bear him no ill will at all. I'm not saying he was horrible. For me, it wasn't even, look, to me, even Will, Will Smith didn't compare to Naomi Scott. Like, she just took me um, away. Like, she took my breath away. Every time she was on screen, uh, you know, so. Yeah. There's something um, really special about her. So, so uh, folks, uh, we're going to pick this conversation up and talk more genie, but we got to put the genie back into the lamp. Uh, you folks, please stay tuned with us. We're going to be right back in like two minutes. Well, we're back. 
We're back. Where'd we go? <laughs> Where'd we go? In, uh, into the land. There you go. And we're, we're, we're back out. And boy, uh, well, I got a crick in the neck. Anyways, well, we got Aladdin right here. We were talking Aladdin, and I wanted to talk about the big genie in the room, which is Will Smith. Now, a um, couple of things. When there was a ton of chatter. When you know he got the role, as there mm-hmm. always is these days, mm-hmm. and 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 to be to be honest, I do not think that the trailers, the particularly the first trailer, did Will Smith and or the character no, any big favors. No, okay, not, yeah. so watching the movie, seeing Will Smith, the wisest thing that they chose not to do or. To do, is not to compete with Robin Williams. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Robin, this is Robin Williams' role. Mm-hmm. All right. This is, you know, it's, he got a Golden Globe for his voice performance in Aladdin. And, you know, he was good. It was Good Morning Vietnam, G rated. He gets okay. to riff. Nobody is that talented anymore. We mm-hmm. don't have that, right? Will Smith, uh, I think, is a very talented individual. He made the character, in a sense, his own. He's Will Smith. And I think that this is a great role for him. Mm-hmm. I, I think agree. it's going to show audiences. It brings back the levity that we all love yeah. mm-hmm. in Will Smith. And I don't think it's as bad. I don't think it's bad at all. I think his performance works. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great vehicle for him because it's going to be his, I believe, his box office renaissance. Yeah. And people are going to remember Will Smith for why they fell in love mm-hmm. for Mr. Summer Tentpole mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, I actually this week was telling someone, I feel like, it's weird to say, I feel like Will Smith is back because he never really went anywhere, but I feel like Will Smith is back. Well, I mean, he, he did take a break, but... It's not that he took a break, but he was doing heavy movies. He was, yeah. yeah. He was doing he was, a lot of drama movies. Yeah, he was trying to go a different direction with his career, right. and it just, it, you know, it wasn't working for a reason, and that's because he's Will Smith. <laughs> and, right. you know, and... I really like some of the things that he has said about taking on the role of the genie because this is a role that is Robin Williams. He created this character. Mm -hmm. Nobody can compete with it, and it's silly to even try. But you also, if you're going to do Aladdin, you need someone with a big personality. And who has a bigger personality than Will Smith? He has the right personality, I think. You know, what I love is his approach and what he did. And he talked about this at length uh, during the press conference the other day. Mm Uh, you know, he went in approaching this with a hip hop vibe, with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, mm-hmm. the guy from West Philly. Yep. And it works. And the fact that Alan Menken worked with him on the music, because if the music fell short, especially oh. Friend Like Me, oh, yeah. then it would have been a total train wreck and a disaster. But we've got enough of that hip hop vibe in there, and that sets the tone for who right. this genie is. And right. it works. In spades. Yeah, and, and I want to... So we have a couple of people uh, online watching us live. Um, hi, Ashley. Are, are we still out of focus? Cammie, uh, uh, you, you see... So we, I, I purposely brought up the trailer, Cammie, because I agree with you. Uh, above and beyond um, the genie seeming pretty bland, it seemed really off. It just didn't seem right, especially when they showed that blue. And we're so used to the animated... Uh, uh, Robin Williams, the, the, the animation, it just didn't look right. Yeah. Um, Cammie, we can assure you that 
you won't be dissatisfied yeah. with what Will Smith does. Yeah. I think he does a really good job. We're talking about production design. I have to talk about one uh, specific scene before we move on and we give our LAOFCS movie of the week. Um, so the, the animated version to me, again, it, it's Disney in its heyday when they were just, the, the animation was just beautiful. And I want to point out at the, the magic carpet ride mm-hmm. in that movie, it was just so beautiful. And then with that music, you know, a whole new world, right? You just get wrapped up in how beautiful that whole scene plays out in the animated version. This, uh, the live action version, I felt Guy Ritchie did something uh, where, at least this is the way I interpreted it, because I never interpreted it this way in the animated feature, but here I did. And I, I'd like to believe that it was purposeful, and that is he paid homage to perhaps one of his favorite movies, which was Superman the movie, because this so reminded me of Lois Lane's first flight mm-hmm. with Superman. Yeah, yeah. And, I again, I never looked at it that way in the animated, but here I did. Yes. And I got dragged into it more, and I'm like going, yeah, all I, can you read my mind? A whole new world. Right. I was like, this, this, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really, and it played fresh, new, and different mm-hmm. for me. Uh, yeah, so that scene was great. The new song, there are at least two new songs. Mm-hmm. The speechless one was the one that stuck out for me the mm-hmm. most. Um, and I think it will for audiences. Again, I think it's a good crowd pleaser. I think families yeah. are going to go. I think it's a good date movie. Yeah. A good family movie. Mm-hmm. It's just a good crossover movie. People are going to be entertained. It's yeah. going to make a lot of shekels uh, yes. this weekend. It's going it, to make it, a lot it of It will not come close to Avengers Endgame shekels. Well, no, nothing live for years to come. But. <laughs> no, but, but Lion King. I think Lion King, going that's, to, what, that's, yeah, what, that's right. I think, what's going to be a big determining factor later this summer in July. Yeah, I agree. My annual birthday present from Disney in July, a movie. <laughs> so right. I'm looking forward to this one. So, drum roll, please. We are going to move on to the LAOFCS Movie of the Week, what we all deem as the movie to see for various reasons, but mostly because of quality uh, and, and what it portrays and, and its uniqueness. And this week, the movie is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, Booksmart. So, I want to get, I want to start with you fine uh, ladies first. Uh, Debbie, start with you. What did you think of Booksmart? I thoroughly enjoyed Booksmart. I love the pacing, the editing, the performances. Beanie Feldstein, Caitlin Deaver, <sighs> knock it out of the park. The two of them have an on-screen yeah. BFF chemistry that is through the roof. The comedy is amazing. But I'll tell you, the real standout performance comes from Billy Lord. Oh, my God, Definitely. I didn't say that. Billy yes, yes. Lord, <laughs> Carrie yep. Fisher's daughter, steals this film. But I'm always hesitant with films when we've got multiple writers involved because you have so many different voices that can be trying to overtake or not working or meshing. And here we've got Susanna Fogel, Emily Halpern, Sarah Haskins, and Katie Silberman as the four writers. The voices meld beautifully. We get the strong voices from the characters of Molly and Amy, our BFF protagonists, but then all of these supporting players have their own distinct voices that add to the idea of, it's the last night of high school and I haven't done anything except study all year long and for the, my whole life and I want to party and nobody will tell me where the party is. 
Um, so it's a, it's a quest it's a quest movie. Yeah. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not unlike um, an American Graffiti, which takes place in one night. It's not unlike. Superbad. I know a lot of people were comparing it to Superbad, and it's very different outside of the fact that look, the similarity is going to the party, right? Yeah, for particular reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the various adventures, but that had a couple of different characters that you're following throughout. Where this one basically stays with our two best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead. So what did you think of, oh of Booksmart? I saw Booksmart at South by Southwest back in March, and it has been my favorite movie of 2019 for the last two months. And <clears throat> I I just, I love this movie so much. I think Olivia Wilde has a great eye. She's, she's going to be a good director, I think. And I love the chemistry between Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. They're fantastic. I agree with what you were saying too, Debbie, about the, the all these other characters that even though we don't get to know a lot about them, they're really, you get the sense of them as being yeah. actual complete people. Like you get the sense that these actors know a lot about their characters, even yeah. if we don't get all of that. And I think that there are just some really smart things that happen. Like just the way that we meet Molly, you know that you're, that's Beanie Feldstein. You know that you're supposed to care about her and she's supposed to be one of your, you know, your two people that you're following. But the way that she's introduced, you're like, yeah, she would actually kind of annoy me, too, you know. And and they don't just make these girls these perfect, misunderstood outcasts. They they really are very well-developed characters Mm -hmm. that feel real. They feel like girls I knew. And actually, their friendship reminds me a lot of the friendship I had with my best friend in high school. So much like that. And But then as you're going along through the story, too, all these things that happen, of course, it's very exaggerated. But so much of what happens throughout the movie, I felt like, yeah, I could actually kind of see that happening. And so I think that's one of the reasons that it it really resonates and it feels so relatable is because you could actually see... Um, it, it, there's a, a very realistic quality to mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, a movie that hasn't been that hasn't been compared to that I compare it to to a, to an extent is American Pie. Again, multiple characters. You have your main character, but there is nobody who is superfluous. You got to know each of the other characters and whether they were like stifler, annoying, you still loved them. There was nothing superfluous in this movie. Every character had something to do and or say. And what I Mm -hmm. loved about the movie the most was, and and this is a rare occurrence um, for movies, it got better and funnier as Mm -hmm. it went along. Like, it never... It never, like, there was no peak. It just got better yeah. when it came to, you know, its closure. I I just felt so good, but I laughed so hard. Billy Lord had been talking about her. Now, I wouldn't go so far as saying she steals the show. However, whenever she popped up, <laughs> gold came out of yeah. her mouth. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I am in love with this mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many scenes, and, and to me... There are so many scenes in, in comedy um, that came that were unexpected. Mm-hmm. You didn't yep. know the punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, they were setting something up, and when you don't see the punchline, that makes it that much funnier. Yeah. And there was plenty of that to go around. Um, the characters, and again, you 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 set up the two leads, so we get to know them within the first ten minutes easily. Yep. Everybody else, it's like drip drip because. Something, another odd thing that happened that I loved about this movie. So you had 
Billy Lord's character and the the gentleman that Skylar Gazondo Skylar as Gizondo. Gigi and Jared. Gigi and Jared, and I I don't know whether they were boyfriend girlfriend brother sister. I think they're just really they're good just friends. friends. They're really, yeah. And mm-hmm. you you look at him. And at first you're going, what a loser. Like, you know, but then you get to a particular scene in the movie where your emotions change, and then I ended up really liking him. And he has a moment in the movie that you just go, yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. And that doesn't happen in movies today. Right, well, that's one of the things that's so brilliant about this film and the script and the way that it all unfolds is this is a movie about being being judgmental and misunderstanding people. And you've got that from Molly and Amy. They're upset because they feel like everyone else has been judging them their whole lives, but they've been doing it to everybody else too. And they right. don't know their classmates no. just like their classmates don't know them. Right. I mean, this all comes down to at the end of the day, the great learning lesson, not no pun intended. You can't judge a book by its cover. Right. Exactly. And that's what each of these characters are. And I do have to say one of the things for me that really elevates this film even higher is Jason McCormick's cinematography. Jason, I am so thrilled to see where he's going. He uh, was cinematographer on Echo Park, which uh, had its world premiere at LA Film Festival Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. But he worked, and he was cinematographer for Sofia Coppola on Somewhere. And then he worked under and learned from one of the best, from Bobby Bukowski and Oren Moverman. And the vibrancy... And here again, it also goes to your to the color, the use of color. Olivia's decision to, to supersaturate a lot sure. of things, yep. and it really just fuels the fun. Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. I think from from the look of the movie, um, the sound of the movie, the music was you know I'm not so much into rap music, but here it really lends it itself perfectly. Yeah. Um, and again, you get to learn about these characters, and whether they're obnoxious or, or not, you still have a have a have an iota of like you like these you respect mm-hmm. these kids to this extent and again in movies today it doesn't happen where you allow the whole movie to sink in it's just a little over an hour and a half yeah. and by the end of it you've come away with 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 something better and like you just wa- I walked away I didn't even when I got home I didn't even turn on my TV because I didn't want it to ruin the high mm-hmm. so and I think from a screenwriting perspective, I hope towards the end of the year that that the screenwriting gets some some type of love, whether it from be someone. Golden Globes, yeah. Spirit Awards, Olivia Wilde, uh, uh, Beanie and, and Karen, they should get some something. Yeah. This movie should not be forgotten. Um, this is it, definitely the type of movie that people will be talking about enough. Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. last year with Eighth Grade, I mean, it didn't ultimately end up with an Oscar nomination, but it really could have. And I mean, it got an independent independent spirit, right. you know. And and so I think that Booksmart is one that can do it. One other thing I just wanted to say too, and I think this is where. You know, we talk a lot about female directors versus male directors, and I think this is one of those cases where it's really good that a woman was directing this movie for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that I really noticed, especially on the second viewing, Hmm. was, and going back to the cinematography like you were talking about, every time a a character is introduced that's supposed to be like kind of the hot character or someone that's drawing your attention, if you really look at the way they're introduced, it's not... 
like this, you know, panning up their body or looking at them in their physical form. It's right. what they're doing and it's, it's showing it's who very they are. objective as opposed to subjective. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so like when you first meet Ryan, who's this skateboard girl and right. and it's it's showing her skateboarding. It's not showing, you know, what she looks like and right. and they do that throughout the film yeah. and I think that that's one of the reasons why we need more women directing movies. Well, I, well yeah, I listen, you <laughs> I 100% agree with you, and I think this, like Olivia Wilde, this is her Amy Heckerling moment. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. also thought of, and we're going to get into this a little bit more because it is one of my picks. Um, we have a wicked fun topic coming right up here, but I think a little more need be said about Booksmart because I really think for the folks that are watching, Yes, you're going to see Endgame like 50 times. Go see Aladdin. Um, go see Booksmart twice. You're already mm-hmm. used to sitting in a movie theater for three hours, right? Here and now, for, your, your pee break isn't going to be, be because of length. <laughs> it's going to be because you're laughing so hard. Like, I found myself laughing really hard and harder and harder as the movie went on. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily even call the movie raunchy. Um, no. There were... There were parts that made it R, but they didn't go over the top. It didn't need it, but it, it was it was just so well done, and you love all the characters that were in this movie and on this night, and it does make you re-look at or re-examine certain things because the premise is simple. We want to go to a party, but what I loved about the originality, and this isn't really much of a spoiler, is... You know, these two girls, not because of their parents, right? right? Mm-hmm. In a John Hughes movie, and again, it's I'm not saying it's untrue, but at first, Bueller, you know, you had the Breakfast Club, the parents uh, will force the kids to go to college. Mm-hmm. These two girls did this of their own choosing, their own volition. They wanted to get into good schools. They had a plan, which again is refreshing. You mean mm-hmm. high school kids have a plan? That's great. <laughs> but they... They they sacrificed their high school, and then they learned when all these other kids that they judged, as you said, yeah. are like, well, I'm going to Yale, too. Well, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. But, see, you chose to focus on school, or I focused on school, too, but I focused on having a life. Right. And that, to me, is such the important message. Mm-hmm. And as the movie goes along, and there are these little things that happen that come so expected... For a comedy, unexpected in a comedy today, it's brilliant. Yeah. Go see Book Smart. It is the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society Movie of the Week, and I will be talking about that movie for the remainder of the year. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. already annoyed people about it, and I'm not going <laughs> to shut up now. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm Good. sorry. We have to give a shout-out to Jason Sudeikis yeah. and, oh, yes. and Lisa Kudrow. Mm. And Will Forte. And Will Forte, yeah. Yep. Who are just Lisa Kudrow is in typical Lisa Kudrow fashion is hilarious and Jason Sudeikis is just so his usual very self deprecating matter of fact right. and it just has you in hysterics. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, it was great to see him funny again. Yes. So yep. um, and and yeah, so it was great that you know it helps when his wife directs the movie, it's like, you know what? You're going to be funny, honey. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really loved this movie a lot, which is going to segue into our well, our next segment, which is, this is a teen comedy. I like to call Booksmart a comedy. Okay. I don't want to pigeonhole it. It is a coming-of-age type of thing, rite of passage, but it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's that good. It's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to um, talk about, and you folks who are online, uh, you can chime in as well. 
favorite teen comedy. I mean, teen comedies have been around for a long time. Uh, and some are good, some not so good, especially as they go into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there are some excellent teen comedies. Again, I, I go ladies first. We'll start with you, Debbie. What are your two favorite teen comedies? Oh, favorite teen comedies. Because <clears throat> if we're talking about high school and yeah, high sure. school age movies, at the top of my list is actually a drama. Okay. 1961, Splendor in the Grass. Okay. With Warren Beatty and Natalie Wood. That is such a great character study on, that is still, the the lessons in there are still applicable today. And the dilemmas that teens go through in high school. But if we're looking at a comedy, I got to look look no further than Joseph Kahn's Detention. (laughs) (laughs) I love Detention. I mean, came out in 2012. <laughs> it is pure satire. It is hilarious. The meaning of life versus the meaninglessness of it. Um, Josh, Josh Hutcherson, before he became Josh. Dane Cook, who is hilarious. Um, Ron Jeremy. People don't... <laughs> it's just... The whole thing is satiric. And it is a genre, a genre-busting love letter to the '90s. Right. And the dialogue is rapier. The visuals are beyond creative, and it is just so much fun. The tension is fun, and it's over the top. And thanks in large part to Chris Watts, who did the VFX on it. Right. And and anybody that knows Joseph Kahn, he just had a film come out last year, Bodied. Uh, satirical black comedy about racial tensions. So, so where can somebody find... Detention is right. actually... Is it on Netflix? It's, is it... it is wandering. It was on Netflix. It may still be there. Uh, I know it's out there on DVD, okay. Blu-ray. Nice. It can't. I even have a VHS copy at home. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I, What's I, that? I, no. <laughs> I am old and wise and well-preserved. But it is just hilarious. And for okay. something that may be not quite as hilarious... The Die Hard, Say Anything, Lloyd Dobler. Fair enough, yep. And what what is your favorite teen high school movie? Well, I mean, I'm an 80s baby, so I feel like I'd be betraying my generation if I don't say 16 Candles is one of them. Uh, I know that in the lens of 2019, it's definitely got a lot of problems, and, and some parts of it really don't hold up. But it's just one that, you know, I saw so many times throughout my my youth, and it's one that I can still watch now, and it's just really nostalgic for me, you know? It's this girl who, it's another kind of one of those all-night things, and this girl who everyone forgot about her birthday, and her, you know, she's just kind of having a hard time, but everything is just going crazy around her. She's the boy she's got a crush on, which, you know, every girl can relate to that. Um, and I just, it's funny. It's really funny, even even now. I, I, <laughs> I disagree with you. I think it holds up today wonderfully, mm-hmm. and I think it, it remains a breath of fresh air because of our political correctness today. Mm-hmm. I really think that, uh, I, I mean, I have 16 Candles on my list. Um, it just celebrated, I believe it's 35th Something anniversary like that. Um, this year, or not too, this year. Um, I, you know, and I think the movie still plays. I think it's very, I think it's still relatable. Um, 
How it ever got a PG rating, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think PG-13 fun. existed yet. Maybe that's the problem. I still but don't know how it got a PG, PG rating. Yeah, no, um, no. But but regardless, I knew that it was uh, John Hughes' like first movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Paul Dooley as the dad gave this wonderful so performance in there, and all the characters mm-hmm. are, you the know, John Cusack, so uh, or, you know, John Cusack is in this mm-hmm. movie for a little bit, too. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, you know, you could tell he was on, he was in some path. He yeah. took a path. Um, he did. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, and I, you know, and I have to categorize to, um, you know, the John Hughes movies, uh, in essence, I think what, what, what Booksmart does, too, is what Breakfast did. Um, although more on a dramatic level, where it took all these factions of kids and put them together, yeah. where Booksmart has again it the the smarts, the popular, the, the drama come the job. I mean, yeah. it was in a sense uh, um, Breakfast Club. So, what would be your second uh, high, favorite high school movie? And another one I really love, and I forgot to write down the year, but it's Easy A. With oh, Emma Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. Good yeah. Flick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good one because I think that, you know, we do, it really makes a good point about the way that we talk about kids having sex and how boys are treated so much differently from how girls right. are. And Emma Stone is really funny, but she also is very smart in this film. And I think that all this, again, all the supporting characters around her are great. Um, and it's just one that I think that really kids should watch. Uh, you know, it's been a few years, but it's definitely one that's still very, it still feels very fresh and new. It's on cable. Yeah. It's on the HBOs and mm-hmm. such. So those are great picks, too. So my second would be, uh, I, I mentioned it before, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron Crowe wrote it. I, I love the whole story behind it, how Cameron Crowe wrote it, and as he pretended to be a high school student. Um and again, I, I just think that it was such a smart... I think even to today, uh, it still did. When it came out, it was ahead of its time in dealing with concepts like pregnancy right. and abortion. And the, and like nobody really thinks about fast times in that way, but that's a major mm-hmm. part of the story. You know, you have Jeff Spicoli, you have Judge Reinhold's character, um, you know, he's trying to work, he gets fired from his job. Um, yeah. he, the characters... In that movie, Phoebe Cates was 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 tremendous as well mm-hmm. as you know. Oh, the experienced one. I, I just loved the whole. You know, we're working in a mall. We got to get through high school. Mister Hand, as lovely, mm-hmm. you know, fabulously yeah. portrayed by Ray Walston. Amy Heckerling, uh, direction. I just think that that movie too. When you talk about characters. Even Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker, who's in the movie for like three minutes, plays a big part. He's a big part mm-hmm. in the movie. It's not one waste. And the music, the soundtrack, is to Fast Times. Yes, yeah. killer is, is tremendous. Well, so. you know, and in that same vein, you know, Summer School with Mark Harmon. Oh, yo, that because there again, Cor- that co- that covers teen pregnancy, work, having yep. to work, support, sleeping, so what you do, and how you, a teacher instills in you that you want to finish, you yep. want to learn. Yeah. And they go through the trials and tribulations with parties on the beach and things like this. So yeah. that's right in the same that's, vein. That's that's yeah, it, and that's a fun movie. Carl Reiner, I believe, I think so. uh, directed that movie. So yeah, I mean, there's a plethora of high school movies out there. Um, like yourself, I mean, I, 
I grew up, the 80s was my high school years. Um, I gravitate towards those. But, you know, when I look at a 16 Candles and a Fast Times, they're two different movies. Oh, very much, yeah. But they're still... They still had the archetypes of what teenagers were, and to an extent, yeah. what teenagers still are. I mean, yeah. people still have crushes mm-hmm. on people, as Book Smart points out. So that's, I think, all these led into Olivia Wilde's. They mm-hmm. all influenced her yeah. in one yeah. way, shape, or form. And she did a great job. Uh, so that's why it is our pick of the week. So let's move on because we're going to be running out of time in a little bit. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about Khan. Can Khan Kane Khan? Let's talk a little. Um, so we've had a Rocket Man comes out. It, it seems this year that it is the competition of standing ovations. Rocket Man comes out six minute standing ovation. Um, Quentin Tarantino's movie comes out seven minutes. You know, pretty soon, if I if I were somebody at Con, I'd be reaching out to like Omega, saying, "Hey, we want you to be the official <laughs> timekeeper, timekeeper of the standing, of the standing ovation." ovation. Yes, uh, you know, as brought to you by Omega Watches. Yes, <laughs> you know, six yeah. minutes and twenty seconds. Duh, there we go. Mm-hmm. It'll be an Olympic event. <laughs> yeah. So, um, once upon a time in Hollywood also made a debut. Um, Huge, you know, again, these movies, you know, whenever I hear about these movies and the standing ovations and the the length, I always go, well, it's a festival. You know, you got to throw in that little caveat and say, I'm going to wait till to see the movie because sometimes there's a lot of festival overhype. Festival, yeah, festival bias is a real thing. Right, because it's almost like they're preaching to the choir. Or I call it it festival freneticism. Right. (laughs) So, So, um, but this week, uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, made some news. A little bit. A little bit of news. A little bit of news. A little bit of news. Um, And he, uh, you know, he was quoted as snapping to a journalist who, when I watched the clip, it was a female journalist who asked a question. And um, Ryan, Ryan, you're still uh, doing our, our zeros and ones in the booth, correct? What was the response? What was the response there, Ryan? Uh, the response on Tarantino's yes. part was, oh, I, actually, I actually have it queued up right here for you. Oh, let's hear uh, it. Let's hear it just really quickly. Yes. Well, I just reject your hypotheses. There you go. I reject your hypotheses. <laughs> Which I'm still waiting to hear a hypothesis because right. I never did. I heard a question. Yeah, I heard a question too. Well, I just reject your hypothesis. <laughs> you can keep on rejecting my hypotheses. I'm going to keep on asking questions. It was really it was really interesting because on one hand I say eh, he didn't necessarily snap and it's weird no. for us. Unless you've seen the movie. Have you seen the movie? No. Okay. We haven't seen the movie. Obviously, the journalist had, she had a question about the length of time that Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate is in the movie. Well, actually, the dialogue, the the amount of dialogue. Right. Mm -hmm. And, again, without any context on, Mm -hmm. on our end, it's sort of kind of hard to know, like, she said something, it's like, okay, well, why is he snapping at her? But I really, I thought the savior of the day was, in fact, Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Margot Margo Robbie said what Quentin should have said. Exactly. And she did it with grace. She did it with the grace that she is as not only an actress and a performer, as an artist, 
but as a producer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she knows how to play these waters. And I didn't yeah. find that, I didn't think the question was necessarily negative or no. anything. It was no, just, I mean, some question. people were trying to frame it as a gotcha question. And right. it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily see that it was. I think that this is a criticism that has been lauded against Tarantino a lot over the years for right. a lot of different films. And I think someone actually took the opportunity to just ask him in a very public way. And he did the Tarantino thing and said, I'm just not going to answer that. And I'm going to actually be kind of a jerk about it and be right. dismissive. And well, that was... That was, I think, the problem. You know, I don't think he was dismissive. Quentin was Quentin was Quentin. (laughs) I have been, I have been present when he has snapped, when he has been testy. This was a matter-of-fact response that came from him to a question that he did not think had merit. Because when you look at the body of his work, and you look at how much screen time, how much dialogue, how he caters to women in so many roles. Sure. I think that I I think that might he might have taken the over in the overall context mm-hmm. umbrage, but there again, we didn't hear everything leading up to it. No, but I'm and gonna, we didn't see the movie. No, but, no, but I'm going to defend him on to the point of he did not snap and he was not testing. I mean, I can I can go with you can say it wasn't a snap, but I do think that there were a lot of different ways that he could have handled that situation, and I don't think that he handled it in the best way that he he could have. Um, well, really, his way of handling it was to not handle it. He says, I reject your hypothesis, which that's, you know, kind of just a favorite word of his. But he could have just said, you know, I've actually dealt with this a lot and I don't feel like talking about it. You know, there are a lot of ways he could have done that. But the way that he does, it does come across as dismissive. It does come it, across as like... It, it did. Yeah, and, and, and here's something else. Another thing that, that Quentin Tarantino got backlash for. And this one, this one kind of floored me. Um... He publicly comes out and tells the people who've seen the movie, please don't spoil it for other people. You know, please don't spoil it for. And people got pissed off. And I'm like going, well, that's. Did you get pissed off at J.J. Abrams when he publicly came out? Hitchcock when he asked people not to spoil Psycho? Did you get pissed off at the cast of Endgame when they literally did videos that said don't ruin Endgame? Like. Mm Like, guys, like, you can't, you don't blast him for doing what he rightfully should do, because yep. we are, we are unfortunately living in a society where people like to always wear the red cape and say, oh, I saw the movie, mm-hmm. this is what happens, yeah, where right. before, you, nobody had a platform to do that. And I had right. a conversation about spoilers with somebody the other day, we were talking about Empire Strikes Back. He's like, oh, no, it's no big deal. I go, are you kidding me? I go, if you were waiting, I go, see, you don't have to wait in line to buy tickets. Like, you just get on your phone, you buy a ticket, and you go to the movie. If you were waiting in line an entire day, and you've been waiting for The Empire Strikes Back, one of the most anticipated sequels in all all of movie history, and you're waiting in line, and some schmohawk comes out and goes, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father, you'd punch him in the nose. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You would have yeah. beat him up. Mm-hmm. Like, and so spoilers do mean something, and today there is a platform, yeah. and it's hard. Uh, I put blinders on, mm-hmm. I watch the trailers. No more clips. <laughs> that I watch the theatrical clips? trailers, no, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And even the theatrical trailers ruin it. Oh, yeah. I don't think he should have gotten. 
The snapping one, this is different. It's a little... We, yeah. we don't know certain things. Margot Robbie was the queen. She handled it with grace. But this spoiler thing, right? You're, no. you're on board. On that. No, that, yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And right? the thing is, you know, when you look at the premise of this movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you've got an actor. You've got a stuntman. Okay, we know what's going on. We've got... It's Sharon Tate. Charles Manson right. murders. Mm-hmm. We know what's going on. If you've seen Charlie Says, which is out right now, you're going to get an inkling of what might be going on. If you haven't right. been under a rock for the past 50 years, you're going to have an inkling of what might be going on. Sure. So, for somebody to lambaste him about that. It's silly. Yeah. Silly. Good. Yeah. Well, we've got, well, probably less than a minute left. Uh, I wanted to, number one, say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the show with me today. Uh, I'm glad. I'm so I'm very proud of being part of LAOFCS, LMNOP. Um it's I think it's um it, it it's it's a wonderful organization yeah. for film lovers and people who review movies and comment uh, about the the film industry. Uh, so Debbie, please uh, again tell 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 the audience how they can support you on the social medias. Where can they find you? Read about you? Watch you? You can do you it can, all. You can find me every under month. ten seconds. No, under I'm ten kidding. seconds. Okay, on Twitter. <laughs> movie, on Twitter, Movie Shark D, BTL Radio Show on <laughs> Facebook, Debbie Lynn Elias, or Behind the Lens. You can go to my website, BehindTheLensOnline.net. You can Google me. You can find me in print and online in the U.S. and abroad. Every Monday you can find me on AdrenalineRadio.com at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time with Behind the Lens radio show, which is go behind the lens below the line and interviews, live interviews every week with filmmakers and actors and screenwriters and costume designers and cinematographers, and I'm all over the place. That's that's awesome. And that was about eight seconds. (laughs) Uh, the Omega, the official Omega time pieces. That was yeah, well, twelve we, seconds look, can, and a third. Can, can we get the official Omega? Can Omega come I'm and right sponsor there. us? Mm-hmm. They should. Yeah. Karen, again, a pleasure to meet you. Uh, where? How can people support you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson, and I write for AwardCircuit.com. I'm on the Citizen Dame podcast and the Watch and Talk podcast, and tonight you can find me at the New Kids on the Block concert. Nice. Oh. Good for you. I'm from Boston. That's almost a big deal. There you go. Cool. And my name is Dimitri Panos. You can find me here on the Popcorn Talk Network's Meet the Movie Press. Also, uh, Anatomy of a Movie, which like almost kicked off Popcorn Talk Network about five years yeah. ago, and it's coming back. So, um, uh, very happy about that. On the Twitters, you can please support me at DMovies1701. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about movies like Godzilla and Rocketman and Ma, which I keep on, I see the big ads and it's capital M, capital A, and I'm like, it's a movie about Massachusetts! <laughs> Not really, but that's the way I like to think, because I'm from Boston. So I want to thank you, the audience, for 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 st- staying tuned, sticking around. Uh, as as always, after the show, please feel free to comment. I want to again thank my hosts and congratulations for becoming part of LAOCS. We've done it together. Yes, congratulations, to you. congratulations to you. It's yeah, great. You did a great job. Um, thank you very much. You're very kind. You can tell me the truth after the show. <laughs> uh, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for for taking care of our engineering needs, mm-hmm. and we will. We'll talk to you next week. We'll always see you at the movies. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. 
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.